The text of this morning's sermon is Hebrews 13, verse 2. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, one of the ways in which we can let our light shine into this world is through hospitality. Some years ago, the Evangelism, committed, the, the Evangelism Committee invited Dr. Eric Watkins to address us on God's mandate to share the gospel with non-Christians. One of his best-remembered comments was about good old-fashioned apple pie. Dr. Watkins had grown up in American culture, but he married a girl from a Dutch family. He was introduced to the delight of a well-baked Dutch apple pie. He figured it was a great tool in our evangelistic outreach. The command to show hospitality to strangers finds its origin in Old Testament law. Exodus 22:21 says, "You shall not wrong a sojourner or oppress him, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt." Leviticus 19:34 says, "You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. God's people had experienced the hardships and sorrow of being mistreated in a foreign land. They, of all people, should make a special effort to show love to strangers and sojourners living among them. In the New Testament, hospitality is one of the basic Christian virtues. The Bible repeatedly encourages us to practice hospitality. Romans 13 verse 12 says, contribute to the needs of the saints and practice hospitality. 1 Peter 4 verse 9 says, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. In the parable of the sheep and goats, Jesus commends those who welcome strangers for in doing it to the least of his brothers, we were doing it to him. Elders and pastors are to set an example for Christians by being hospitable. Being hospitable embodies what the gospel is all about. Think about who we'd be or where we'd be at in life without Christ. Through the fall into sin, we broke fellowship with God and we were alienated from him. Our sins placed this great barrier between God and us. But God did not allow that barrier to remain. He loved us so much 
He sent his only son into this world to suffer and die for us. God's purpose in doing so was to deliver us from the domain of darkness and to transfer us into the kingdom of his beloved son. God went to incredible lengths to show forth his love and care for us that we might be restored to communion with him. He now calls us to show forth that same love and care to all those he puts on our pathway in life that we might minister his grace to them. Preach to you God's word this morning under the following theme. Love strangers. We'll see why we are to love strangers and how we are to love strangers. You might be wondering why I phrased the theme of this sermon as I did. Why isn't the theme practice hospitality? Isn't that what we're talking about this morning? We are. But when we speak together about practicing hospitality, we tend to think about inviting someone to come for coffee or lunch after church. The scope of hospitality is much broader than that. We see that more clearly in the original Greek. Hebrews 13 verse 1 is translated literally in our Bibles. The Greek word used is Philadelphia, which means love brothers. In our text, verse 2 of Hebrews 13, the Greek word philozenia is used. Literally, it means love strangers. Hebrews 13.1 is focused on loving our brothers and sisters in Christ. Our text is focused on loving all those different people whom you don't know, who cross your pathway in life. Our text tells us not to neglect, to show love to strangers. The word translated neglect could also be translated do not be inattentive to, or overlook, or care nothing about. Loving strangers. So why are we not to neglect showing hospitality to strangers? Well, in the first place, this is a command from God. The people of Israel were strangers in a foreign land. And after Joseph died and a new Pharaoh arose, they were not shown kindness or love. Instead, they were oppressed and enslaved. Eventually, a program of genocide, of extermination, was enacted against them, with their baby boys being thrown into the Nile River. It is easy to discriminate against strangers who settle among an established group of people. Often, strangers come from a different race or culture. Often, they have different customs and practices. The established and settled group wants them to conform to their customs and practices and will often victimize them for being 
different. But God doesn't want his people to discriminate against others. He doesn't want us to turn a cold shoulder to people we don't know. What we need to recognize, beloved, is that every single human being who lives on this earth has been created in the image of God. Often our attitudes towards others don't reflect that. We tend to divide people into two groups. Those who are with me and those who are against me. We show kindness and love to those we can identify with. And we treat others with indifference or suspicion or disdain or even hostility. Yet it's wrong to discriminate against others on the basis of their race or culture or because their customs or traditions are different than ours. Such practices are contrary to what it means to be a child of God or a follower of Jesus Christ. Because God first loved us, he now calls us to love one another. It applies in the church to our brothers and sisters in Christ. But the command also applies in our broader communities, at our workplaces, and in our neighborhoods. Part of Christ's summary of the law is, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus went so far as to command his followers, love your enemies. Why did Jesus command this? Because he wants us to reflect God the Father, who makes his sun shine on the evil and the good, who sends rain on the just and the unjust. Beloved, we need to remember that we were not very lovable people when God first extended his love to us. In Romans 5, Paul reminds us, is, Paul reminds us that it is while we were still weak that Christ died for the ungodly. He says, but God showed his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We're commanded to be imitators of God and to walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. It's the thankful response that God expects because of his redeeming love. Our text goes on to identify another reason why we should show hospitality to strangers. It says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. We need to remember that our text is taken from the letter to the Hebrews, to people who would have been familiar with the Old Testament scriptures. There's, very examples, there's various examples of saints in the Old Covenant who hosted angels without knowing that they were angels. Genesis 18 tells us the story of Abraham receiving three travelers who came when he was sitting 
at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. That's the time when people often sheltered from the hot sun, perhaps even took a siesta. It's not the time of day when you felt like getting up to be hospitable to a group of strangers. Yet when Abraham saw them, he ran from his tent door to meet them. He bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Abraham brought water to wash their feet. He found a place in the shade of the tree for them to rest. Even though Abraham didn't know who they were, he was honored to receive them. He and Sarah prepared a meal for them, waiting on them while they ate. Of course, we know the identity of these three visitors. Genesis 18 verse 1 says that the Lord appeared to him. And the rest of the story makes clear that he was accompanied by two angels. But did Abraham know that? Did Sarah know? No, they didn't. They were entertaining angels without being aware of this. And for the writer of Hebrews, that's exactly the point. These three dusty travelers could have been anyone. They could have been from anywhere. In the end, they might have proved themselves to be hostile visitors or grumpy and ungrateful guests. But it didn't stop Abraham from being hospitable. He showed love to these strangers that appeared at his door. He did it without any notion that he might receive something in return. In Genesis 19, we see Abraham's nephew Lot extending hospitality to two angels who arrived in the wicked city of Sodom. He also didn't know that they were angels. He greeted them at the city gate and invited them to lodge at his place. When they declined his invitation, saying they would stay in the town square, he insisted that they stay at his place. And when the men of Sodom sought to abuse his guests, he defended them. Similarly, Gideon presented a gift of food to a visiting angel. And Manoah, the father of Samson, welcomed the angel of the Lord and offered him a meal. They didn't do this because they knew they were being visited by angels. They were used to practicing hospitality. It was a normal part of their everyday lives. So should our motive for showing hospitality be that thereby we might entertain angels? Well, that's not the point of our text. Let me ask you this question. How many of you see a new person in church and get excited at the prospect of having them over for lunch? Or would that thought even enter your mind? Now, what if these people came from a different culture or race? Or what if they were poorly dressed? How inclined would you be to invite them over and to show them hospitality? I think many of us would prefer to leave that up to someone else. 
the author of Hebrews is saying, what if that person were an angel? That would increase your willingness to host, wouldn't it? Now you're excited at the thought, aren't you? Well, beloved, in Hebrews 2, the author has already made it clear that Jesus Christ did not come into this world to help angels, but to help mankind. In Hebrews 1, he made it clear angels are ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation. The point is simple. God's focus is not on redeeming angels. It's on redeeming his chosen people from sin and death. The reason we are to show hospitality to strangers is to help serve God's redemptive purpose. There are so many people in our communities who live in darkness. Many are unhappy. Many are lost. They're walking on a pathway to hell. How might they come to know the love of God in Jesus Christ? Well, the best way is to see that love modeled by being received and treated lovingly by the followers of Christ. One of the best ways to show forth that love is by opening your home to others, by having coffee, or eating a meal with them. Open homes lead to open hearts. This morning we read together the parable of the sheep and the goats from Matthew 25. It's a story about how Jesus will separate all people into two groups on the day of judgment. To the one group, Jesus will say, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And to the other group, Jesus will say, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So what is it that separates these two groups? Well, beloved, we know that it is faith in Jesus Christ that separates those who will share an everlasting life and those who will not. But what Jesus emphasizes in this parable is that such a faith needs to be a living faith. It needs to be a faith that shows itself in the fruits of faith, particularly in love. Jesus says, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Those who are commended for showing love to strangers will ask, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? Note Jesus' answer. Truly I say to you, as you did it, to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. By welcoming strangers and lovingly providing for them, 
Abraham unwittingly entertained the Lord and two angels. By showing hospitality to strangers, Jesus tells us, we are showing forth our love for him. In our first point, we've considered why we are to love strangers. In our second point, we'll consider how we are to love strangers. I think it's helpful to begin this point by asking, to whom are we to show hospitality? Hebrews 13.1 said, let brotherly love continue. 1 Peter 4 verse 9 commands us, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Thus, it should be obvious that we're called to show love in practical ways to our brothers and sisters. We must admit that in a large church like ours, some of our brothers and sisters are like strangers to us. We hardly know them because we never get a chance to talk with them. We have members in our midst who are lonely, some who often go uninvited, who feel neglected and overlooked. Instead of just inviting over family and friends, we should show Christian hospitality to those whom we know less well. There's some practical benefits to this. By showing forth the love of Christ, we show others that they matter, that they're important to us. And thus we build the bonds of fellowship within Christ's church. By extending hospitality to our brothers and sisters, we also get practice in hosting people we don't know well. We learn how to serve food and drink, how to have good conversations, how to build relationships. We develop the gift of hospitality. That's important, especially for when we need to host strangers who are not from the church. Our text puts the emphasis on showing hospitality to strangers. By definition, a stranger is someone from outside, a guest or a visitor. The strangers referred to in our text are people from outside the church community whom God puts on our pathway in life. That includes your neighbors, the people living in homes near you. It includes the people you associate with at work or school, at the gym or on a sports team. Includes the people you do business with and those from whom you purchase goods and services. If we want to let our light shine before others in the community around us, we need to learn to develop redemptive relationships with such people. That begins by having the right attitude. See people as worthwhile human beings created in God's image, made for His glory. Be positive around others. Smile at them. Greet them. 
Don't be rushed in your social interaction, even when you're busy. People get a sense if you really care or if you're giving them the bum's rush. Be patient and gentle and caring in your interactions. It's important to develop social relationships with our neighbors, our workmates, and other acquaintances. When you see your neighbors outside cutting the grass or shoveling the snow, stop by to say hi or to lend a hand. Take the opportunity to chat with a workmate during a coffee or lunch break. If you're living in a building with a lot of apartments, talk to people in the hallways, at the elevator, or in the common areas. When Jesus called his disciples to himself, he told them that he would make them fishers of men. In John 4, verse 30, Jesus spoke to his disciples about how the fields were white for harvest. And Luke 10, 2, he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. When you go fishing, it's helpful to think about where the fish might be. Often the wind will drive bait fish to a certain side of the lake. You see a bunch of seagulls circling a certain spot and diving down for minnows. It's an indication that other fish might be there as well. You can fish on the other side of the lake for hours without catching anything. It helps to fish where the fish are. As we start to get to know our neighbors and workmates and other acquaintances, we need to visualize their readiness for Christ. If you walk around your neighborhood or consider people you interact with on a more regular basis, consider who might be most receptive to hearing about the gospel. Put a priority on further developing relationships with those people. Get to know them by name. Develop friendships with them. As you become aware of their interests and needs, you put yourself in a situation to love them by engaging more directly in their lives and by helping them. Some people will respond to you socially. Others will not. If we go back to our fishing example, those who respond to your interest and your care in their lives are like schooling fish. They're the sorts of people you continue to build friendships with. Look for opportunities to bump into them, to stop and have a chat. As you discover common interests, pursue them. If you go golfing or fishing together, you're granted a wonderful opportunity for a chat for a few hours on end. It'll give you opportunities to share your life and your perspectives with them. When people know you care about them, you're in a much better situation to share the gospel with them. Remember, beloved, that as you build such relationships, people will be watching you. They'll look to see what your marriage relationship is like, whether you truly love your husband or wife. 
They'll observe whether you, well, whether you yell at your kids or if it seems like you have a close relationship with them. In building relationships, we have a great opportunity to let our lights shine before others, that they may see our good deeds, that this may lead to them wanting to know what makes your life different. When people know you're, that you care, you're in a much better situation to share the gospel with them. There's so many ways to show love for strangers, for neighbors, and other acquaintances whom God puts on our pathway in life. It may begin with a chat on the front lawn or with coffee in the lunchroom at work. As you develop relationships, look for opportunities to serve. If someone's going through a hard time, give them a listening ear. If someone needs help with some, something practical in life and you can help, then please do so. As friendships develop, look for opportunities to do stuff together. And above all, seek opportunities to practice hospitality. Why is hospitality so important? Well, there's something special about inviting people over for coffee or having them come by for a barbecue or having them over for a meal. When you break bread together, fellowship develops. Businesses know that. That's why they like hosting conventions where their employees meet for several days. Some of that time might be business-oriented, but much of it will be social and recreational. Eating and drinking together allows for relaxed conversations. People let their hair down. You have opportunities to get to know them and what truly lives inside them. It's when you have people over for a meal that you also have natural opportunities to live out your faith. Before the meal starts, you can explain to your neighbors that as Christians, it's your practice to say grace before the meal. Thank God for the opportunity to spend time with them and ask for a blessing over the food. If you know the people that you're hosting reasonably well, you might also read a short passage from God's word. If you don't make it awkward, but you show that this is a normal part of your family life, they'll accept it for what it is. And very often it gives further opportunity to speak about your faith. Now, beloved, I want to stress that it's important to build genuine relationships with our neighbors and acquaintances. It should not be a relationship with a hook. Even though we are called to be fishers of men, our neighbors are not fish. We need to realize that most people are not going to respond positively to the gospel the first time they hear it. When you plant seed in the ground, it takes time for it to germinate and to grow. When Paul speaks about how the gospel was established in the hearts of the Corinthians, he said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. 
We need to give time for the gospel to take root in the lives of neighbors and friends. Whether they ever come to the faith is not in our hands. What God requires from us is that we continue to show hospitality, to love strangers. As we get to know people around us, there's lots of opportunity to build relationships with them. When the weather's nice, you can host a neighborhood potluck or a block party. Holidays give special opportunities. They are times when widows, widowers, and one-parent families are often lonely. There are times when people who live far away from family may miss their family most. You might invite people over for Thanksgiving dinner or for some Christmas treats and some Christmas caroling. Also look for circumstances where you can be available when people are hurting. Life is often tough. At times in our lives, our neighbors and acquaintances are confronted with sickness, with the death of a loved one, with marital problems, with financial hardships, with other pressures in life. These situations provide special opportunities to express Christ's love by serving and caring for these hurting people. Because people are struggling, they'll often be most vulnerable at such times, sharing their hurts and their fears. Sometimes such circumstances give incredible opportunities to share your faith, to speak of Christ's love and grace. Beloved, the Lord commands us not to neglect, to overlook, to care nothing about showing hospitality to strangers. Showing forth Christ's love to neighbors and acquaintances may seem like a difficult, like a daunting task. But how hard really is it to invite someone over for coffee and a piece of good old Dutch apple pie. Loving strangers comes with great rewards. Allows us to develop friendships with neighbors and acquaintances. It teaches us how to love and serve others. God may bless such relationships by using them to bring people living in darkness into the light of the gospel. Above all, showing love and practicing hospitality become acts of worship to God. A little later in Hebrews 13, the writer says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. We're called to love strangers as part of our thankfulness to God for allowing us to share in his redeeming love. We glorify God when we show forth his love in our relationships. As we saw in Jesus' parable of the sheep and the goats, God will also reward us for loving strangers. He will allow us to share in his eternal kingdom. God gives us so many reasons to love strangers. May we 
not just be hearers, but also doers of the word. Amen.